Hey, this is Eric Olivares, pastor at Axios Church in Lakeland, Florida, and this is our podcast. Axios' mission is to point people to Jesus so they can find worth and purpose in God. We hope this message encouraged you and uplifts you throughout your week. Enjoy the message. For the next couple of weeks, uh, we are uh, going to jump into a, a, a sermon series called One-Liners. And what One-Liners is, is it's scripture taken out of context. Maybe not just a single scripture, maybe it's a, a couple scriptures, a passage, or something else like that, that we seem to use out of context, whether we don't know the full details, we don't know the landscape, we don't whatever, or we're just flat out using it wrong. But he trusts me to do that, so hold on uh, and, and, and buckle your seatbelts because it's going to happen. Uh, but if you don't know who I am, uh, I am Ryan. I am, uh, I don't know what my title is today. I guess just pastor, youth pastor, family pastor, uh, whatever you need kind of get done, pastor. That, that's just what it is. But he trusts me, and maybe that's why he trusts me, Leah, since you wanted to laugh. Uh, it's okay. Uh, that was free. That wasn't in my notes. Uh, but but, but this morning, uh, I'm going to make two quick points to you this morning, and they're going to be opposites, right? But it's okay. I'm going to do my best. I will give you one, and then I will give you the other. The first one is going to give you the context, and then the second one is going to give you perspective. So this morning, uh, we are going to be going to Matthew chapter 18. Uh, so just bear with me. It'll be on the screen. Man, you guys are on top of it back there. I like it. But but what we do, and, and, and when we started talking about the whole concept of one-liners and what one-liners is, is it kind of wrecked me for the, the thought and the simplicity of the fact that we pick and choose what we want to pick and choose, right? We seem to, I'll take this one, not that one, I'll take this one. We, we like seem to make it like it's like Burger King, we can have it our way. And so we start to, to change the gospel of Jesus Christ to what it is or from what it is to what we want it to be or to what feels good to us or what we like. And so this morning, as we jump into this, this is, uh, and, and I'm guilty, uh, I'm probably preaching to myself this morning more than anybody else, but I am uh, guilty of using this verse out of context, without understanding, without meaning uh, all the time. And so this morning, as we get ready to, to pull uh, that up, it's already up there, they're, they're way ahead of me, but I want you to think about this, how many times... And, and please don't answer this out loud. Uh, you'll tell on yourselves. How many times has there been a political speech that you've seen that has been ripped down from what it really was to be twisted to something else? How many times have we seen a YouTuber, a sermon series, a podcast, whatever that you can think of that we've ripped down, we've taken parts and pieces of, and we've spliced it together, and we've put it together to be something that it wasn't because we don't know the context? So 18, or, or chapter 18, verse 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. I am guilty of this. I throw this out there uh, like it's crazy. Pastor, you talk about growing up in Spanish church uh, and it being crazy and whatnot. I grew up in a traditionally white church, okay? Uh, I don't know, again, I don't know why y'all are laughing at me. I'm just being honest, okay? But I grew up in a, a, in a traditional white church, church of God. Uh, they're all about their rules, and, and it's great. Don't get me wrong, right? Um, um, but they are very notorious. Listen, they throw this out there like you can't believe. Where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst of us. Where two or three are gathered, there he is. 
And, and so I, I began to think about That just became something that was like kind of attached to me. I carried it around with me because everything I grew up in, just it follows with you. And I don't know if maybe they say it because it is to justify an event that didn't turn out the way it should. Or, um, hey, listen, that's a possibility. Be like, hey, this is going to be a banger. It's going to be a great event. Four people show up. Hey, where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst of it. It's like, that's all that matters. Come on, give Jesus praise. And it's you, Karen, and Bobby. And, like, that's it. Uh, I, I picked the, the, the simplest white names I could find. I don't know. They just came to my mind. But, but, but or, or if it was just the poor execution that went into it, you said, hey, we're going to do this event, it's going to do great, and you just trusted the saints to be there and jump on board, and it didn't work, or, or even with uh, worship leaders, Miss Nuri, uh, you're great, and, and she doesn't do this to us, but, but in the traditional white church, uh, you know, you would get your worship leader up here, and she'd be singing, or they'd be singing or whatever, and then, like, it's, it's almost every time they get up there and they say, all right, church, we're going to sing. There's two or three gathered together today. Like almost like it was a cry to get the church to worship harder. Like congregation, come on. There's two or three of us. We got our hands raised. You're sitting down, but it's okay. Raise your hands. And it was like we used this scripture out of context. We don't know the true meaning of this verse. And what we do is we, we pick and choose uh, verse 20, and we don't look at the other five verses that are in front of it. So let's pull it up. Let's pull it up. We're going to read it. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between, pay attention. Y'all got to pay attention to this. Between you and him alone. Not everyone needs to know about it. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. And if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. That every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to you, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to even listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. I'm going to give you the, the RSV, the Ryan Standard Version now, right? What Jesus just told them, and this is in red lettering. If you got your Bible pulled up, uh, it means it's super important. Pay attention to it. But what Jesus is telling them there, he says, listen, if somebody does you wrong, if, the, if you've got some beef with somebody, fix it. Short, short, sweet, to the point. Fix it. If they don't want to listen to you, if you can't get it fixed between yourselves, hey, grab, like, some mentors. Grab somebody that you can trust. Maybe give them a different perspective. Have them listen to the, what happened and then go from there. And if still, if they don't, take it to the church leaders. Get your pastor involved. Get your board members involved. Get their, their, their honest uh, uh, leadership opinion about it. And if they still, if you can't come to a resolve, if you can't fix it, you can't figure it out, then they got to go. You got to cut that person off. But, 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 hear, hear me out. Hear me out. There's a, there's a step that comes with that. You can't just cut people off, turn the cold shoulder, and leave them alone. 
we are supposed to walk them through this thing. We are still supposed to treat them with love, with grace, with mercy. You can't just be like, hey, you're different than me. We can't figure this out. Everything else, blah, 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 blah. See ya. And then just leave them there. How are we going to fix anything? We're not going to solve anything. And next time this happens, we're not going to have a resolution again. And we're just going to keep repeating the cycle. So the, the first point I want to make to you today, what the scripture really means and what Jesus is really teaching us is how to handle conflict. He, he gives us a step-by-step instructions on how to handle this. He gives you, I, I guess you would, the secret sauce to handle being different, to having some issues. If somebody sins against you, if somebody does something that they shouldn't do to you, and he puts it like this, it, it's a four-step process. Talk to them privately. Not everyone needs to know about it, okay? Two, if they refuse to repent, grab two or three other people, come together, let's figure it out. Wise people, not just anybody. Listen, everybody has a doctor's degree uh, on Facebook. Everyone is a lawyer in the comment section, okay? And then the third is that if they refuse to repent, if they refuse to see the silver lining, if they refuse to see what they did wrong, then let's bring it to the church. That's some of the best advice that, that I think I've ever, and, and this is, I'm, I'm sitting here quoting this, and I don't even know the context of what it is. And so I started studying, and it says, bring it to the church leaders. Why? Because they're smarter. Not, not always. Uh, I don't know. It's okay. Uh, you're smarter than me. It's okay. But, 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 but they've been through some things. They've seen some things. Hopefully, they've heard from God, right? And not that. God only speaks to church leaders or anything else like that, but it says to take it to the church leaders because God knows that the church and its leaders have an important, important part. And if the last step, and this is where I said it, if, if they're being toxic, if they're not listening, if they don't know the resolve, you got to cut it off. Treat them as a Gentile and a tax collector. First of all, who in here likes paying taxes? Nobody raised their hand. It's okay. So the same thing, it applies today as it does yesterday. Nobody liked the tax collectors, especially tax collectors then, because they had a, a, a reputation of taking more than they were really supposed to. And so he says, you know what? Cut them off. Leave them there. Don't associate with them no more. But love them. Treat them with kindness. Treat them with grace. Treat them with mercy. And that's why, as we did our core sermon series, uh, for me, two of our uh, most important core values is that community is who we are and people are our hearts. Because at the end of the day, that's what this whole thing is about. This whole thing, this whole religion and, and relationship. It, listen, you can shut the four walls out. Listen, uh, and I'll get to that in a second. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you can say, I sat in the same chair every single Sunday at the same church, I never got involved, but I was there, you miss the whole point. You miss the whole thing. Jesus saying, hey, listen, be intentional with your community. People are going to do you wrong, but I've given you the steps to fix it. But what you've done and what we've done is we never handle it. We never fix it. We never have the tough conversations. We never anything like that, and we just brush it under the rug. We say, you know what, I, 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 you've, you've done wrong, and I know you're living in sin, but where two or three are gathered, there we are. So we, we tend to forget the context of what it said just five verses beforehand. And so we pick and choose, and then, and then this is where church hurt comes into play. 
Because we don't ever want to figure it out here. We don't want to go through the conflict. We don't want to go through the rough patches. So then what happens? So then you start gossiping. You start talking to everyone else about it other than the person that it really involved. And now you're over here and this person is leaving the church and doesn't want anything to do with the church because they got church hurt and everything else. Had we just known the context all along. Luke chapter 17 verse 3 says this. Pay attention to yourselves. Amen. Listen, pay attention to yourselves. Stay in your own lane. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. James 5, 19 says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, we have a responsibility to ourselves. We have a responsibility to the person sitting next to you. We have a responsibility to our community to love each other, but to correct one another, to handle our conflict as long as we know the context. You have to know the context. Somebody once told me that there's three sides to every story, her side, his side, and the truth. But there is something that we've, I don't, I don't know where we went wrong, what we associated it with, but automatically we don't like conflict. We don't like the tough stuff. We want this patty cake gospel that says, you know what, it's okay, Jesus loves you. Okay, it's okay, I love you. You're my brother and sister in Christ. And we seem to not go through the context and resolve the conflict. It's okay to agree to disagree. I don't know, listen, I, I could rant and rave about that for so long. I don't know where we've gone wrong that we always have to be right and we can't agree to disagree. It's okay. Look around. We're all different in this place. And that's a good thing. And I'm not going to get political. It doesn't matter if you're an elephant, if you're a donkey, whatever. You know what? But we still are called to love one another. You, you, you think Jesus, like when you get ready to, to, you know, go meet Jesus and you're standing there and he's like, hey, are you a, a, a donkey? Are you an elephant? Did you love the other one? Did you not love the other one? No. No. Listen, we, we seem to miss the context that we are to love everyone. Even though we are different, even though you might not agree with them, we are to love everyone. Oliver is, is four now. Um, actually, I'm horrible. Uh, guys, uh, how many of us believe that in the storm there are good things that come through the storm? Amen. Uh, so we made it through a hurricane, and I have a baby and never lost power. We gave birth to a, I say we, I didn't. I championed her. I, hey, great job. Good job. You got this. Uh, but we have a perfectly healthy uh, baby girl. She was born last Monday, uh, the 26th, at 8 p.m. at night. Uh, and she is just precious. Uh, she is amazing. I love her so much. But back to your regularly scheduled program. Uh, but 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 Oliver, my four-year-old, if you see him, uh, if you don't know who he is, he's the kid that will like growl at you and then go hide in the corner. That's my kid. Uh, so that's how you know. But right. But 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 he's at he's at school and he goes to pre-K and he's and he has half a day, and and they're teaching him things and and I'm just crazy. I didn't think you learned that in pre-K. I thought you went and like finger painted and came home and that was it. They babysat you for three hours. That's what I thought it was. But he comes home this week and he says, dad, guess what? He says, we're learning about differences. Okay. 
I said, tell me more. What, what do you mean differences? And he says, we're all different. He says, some of us are big and some of us are small. He said, there's boys and girls, so we're different. And he said, there's even, it's okay that people don't look like me. I said, what do you mean you don't look like me? And I don't know if he was like, I don't know if this is how the teachers explained it or he was like embarrassed to say it, but he said, not everyone's like this. I said, oh, okay, so not everyone's white. I said, I get it. Cool. And, and so that was kind of the end of the conversation that day. And then where I'm taking him to school the next day, and I said, hey, you know, I, I just want to remind you that, you know, everyone's different, but that's okay. And he says, yeah, Dad, I know it's okay. And I said, good. Do you know why it's okay? And he says, yeah, I do. He said, because Jesus loves everybody. So that means I love everybody. And I said, I said, that's good. That's good. And I asked him, I said, what do you mean Jesus loves everybody so you love everybody? He says, because Miss Amber taught me in kids' church that Jesus lives in my heart. So therefore, that means if Jesus loves everybody, I love everybody. If a four-year-old gets it, what are we missing, church? There she is, Miss Amber. Great job. My four-year-old gets it, and, and, and yet I don't. Yet we don't. We use Scripture out of context to justify us being prideful. We use content or we use scripture out of context to justify us being selfish or being arrogant or ignorant. And we just sugarcoat it, we brush it off, and we say, you know what, where God is there, where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst of us. We might be different. I won't handle the conflict. You're you're great. And we miss out on the context. The second point that I want to make to you this morning, and I'm going a completely different direction. I want to give you a little bit of perspective where you say where two or three are gathered, you downgrade the power of one. I hope, I hope, my prayer is, I hope that nobody in this room believes that God only shows up when there's two or three people together. I hope if you do, you're wrong. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. Luke chapter 15, verse 4, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99, does not leave the group in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. Jesus is literally talking about the importance of one. The importance of one. So don't downgrade, don't downplay, don't, don't, don't say that you can't do something because it's just you. I'm not saying, and, and, and hear me, church, I'm not saying anything against groups. I love groups. Small groups, church, we shouldn't forsake the gathering of God's people. Hebrews 10, 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, because God knew that we were better together. As one coming together, we are better together. But Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8 says this, And I heard the, the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? 
And then I said, here I am. Send me. This was Isaiah's commission to the Lord. He said, listen, I don't have a group. I don't have a following. I don't have two or three, but you know what I do have? I have a willing heart. I have able feet. So God, send me. Send me. If I got to ride out solo, then I'm going solo. Here I go. If it's just me, it's just me. So don't downgrade the power of one. I think if we are all honest, if we all admit, none of us can do it by ourselves, right? Being, being a new father, again, or a father to two and having a newborn, I have learned that I cannot do it by myself. I have learned that my wife cannot do it by herself. She's amazing. She's an awesome mom. She's taken on a whole bunch of responsibilities, and, and, and you are amazing, but she can't do it by herself, Pastor Eric is great. He's a pastor. He preaches the house down. He's a lot better than I am. So if you want his message, come back next week. But, but he can't do it by himself. None of us can do it by ourselves. We've all messed up. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But if we partner with God, if we would just come alongside, if we would just, man, if we would just have that covenant with God. Listen, you just spoke that and it just lined up. We would just have that covenant with God in the solo, in the one, he can do great things. It's not just about two or three. What we have to understand is that God doesn't need us. We need God. There's context to that. We don't, or, or God doesn't need us but we need God. We have to be obedient to what he is calling us to do. And in the solo, in the single, if it's just you riding out, be faithful. I'm going to give you scripture to back it up. Somebody once told me if the Bible ever tells you uh, 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 or says something, you ask them what book and what chapter. Because if not, when you go tell somebody else, blah, 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 and then you're wrong and they G-check you, like, that's on you. Now you look like the clown. So if anybody ever tells you the Bible says, you ask them what book and what chapter. But Mark chapter 135, Matthew 14, 23, Luke 5 and 16, they all talk about the same thing, about Jesus having to be alone for a little bit. Jesus had to step away from the crowd. He had to get away from the two or three to make sure that he was in tune with God, so that he was right with God. Parents, hear me. Sometimes you got to step away from the kids. They will drive you crazy. I just started PTO. I am off until January. Praise the Lord. I get to spend time with my family, but Oliver is driving me nuts already. Like, go back to school. Is it Monday yet? But parents, sometimes you got to get away from your kids. Sometimes they're, they're going to make you go stir crazy. And you can't get alone with God when you got a little rug rat running around. Mommy, Daddy, can I have some chocolate milk? Right? Maybe that's just me. Hopefully nobody's sitting. Don't look at your wife or your, your, your husband when I say this one next. But sometimes you need to get away from them because they're annoying. Yes, yes. I don't know who that was, but you're amazing. I appreciate you. But sometimes you have to get away from them for just a little bit. But Matthew 6, verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door 
and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on some toes here just for a, a hot second. Not everything needs to be a Facebook post. Not everything needs to be an Instagram post. Okay, like, hey, listen, there, it's good sometimes, but not everything is there. Not everything has to be a be real moment. If you don't know what be real is, you're not one of the cool kids. It's okay. I didn't know. I had to Google it anyways. I'm not on there. But be real is like you have to take a picture in the moment to show what you're doing at that exact time. No questions about it. No, not everything has to be like that. Get in secret. Get alone. Get in front of God and just don't worry. Shut everything else off. Let me leave you with this as I'm closing. You got plenty of time to get to lunch before the crowds start. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. It's not about God only being present in groups and gatherings. It's not about just God showing up at an event and, and there I am because two or three are gathered. Instead, it's about following and trusting the process. The calling that God has given you to do. To handle your conflict. To call somebody out when they're wrong. And, and you might not have a big, it might not be the, the social thing to do. It might not be the cool thing to do. But it's about trusting and following the process. Knowing that you're not alone. Knowing that you don't have to handle the tough, difficult conversations by yourself. But as I was reading, I had to challenge myself and I had to stop. And I thought, why did Jesus add verse 20? He just gave us the answer. He just gave us the directions and the steps of how to resolve conflict, what we should do if somebody sins against us. Why did he have to say where two or three are gathered? There I am in the midst of them. Because he's not just trying to give you some source of magic where you can speak things into existence. Because if you try to manifest the future without God's voice, then you're going to be empty. But Jesus looks at it and said, this is what you need to do. If you would just follow the steps, if you would follow the plan that I've put in front of you, if you would be intentional, if you would get real and nitty-gritty with your community, and because when you come together with them, and then you're in agreement with them, and then you're in agreement with me, there I am. There I am in the midst of you. And when you speak, it happens. But you can't be doing that when you're divided. You can't be doing that when it's he said and she said. We can't, listen, church, I'm going to be a little uh, sensitive here for a second, I guess. We can't show Lakeland that we love them and that we're here from them if we're divided. If, if we are a church that says, you know what, uh, Pastor Eric is great on Sundays and I hate him on Mondays. We can't be an, a blessing and an impact for our community. And I'm not telling you that you have to agree, that you have to model yourselves to be like. The only person you should model yourself to be like is Jesus Christ. Context has to be, has to be everything. 
It's not picking and choosing what we want, when we want it. And what we've done is we, we pick and choose to justify the way that we act. I'm going to act reckless over here, but I got a scripture that says God's grace is sufficient. I'm going to act out of pocket, but God's grace is sufficient. He loves me nonetheless. And then we come over here and we say, you know what, I'm going to take on more than what I can handle. But you know what, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And while those are all true, we left out the context. It's not picking and choosing what or when or how. Where two or three are gathered isn't a shortcut to the presence of God. Where two or three are gathered is directions to God. It's not a shortcut where we can say, I'll leave this, I'll leave this, I'll take this. We leave the context. We leave the meat and potatoes. We say, you know what? I want a feel-good gospel. I want a, a, a gospel that justifies the way I act and live. And if that's how you are, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to tell you in love that you are wrong. Because we are not supposed to operate and act like the way that feels good to us. pastor talked about being a golfer, and I have probably reluctantly picked up the, the golf bug myself, because uh, now all I want to do is golf, 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 and golf. But one of the things that I learned and was taught is that getting your swing down until you get it isn't comfortable. You have to go through this awkward feeling, naturally I'm a baseball player, it's completely different. Everything that I know about baseball, throw it out the window. It's uncomfortable to get the correct swing. It's uncomfortable to try to line up the right shot and get the right pace and everything else like that. And I'm still learning. But we have a responsibility as believers to go through the uncomfortable, to challenge, to go through the conflict, understand the context, and come out better on the other side. Because where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst of them. So let me pray. With every uh, head bowed and eye closed. Thank you again for joining us here at Axios. Hey, to hear more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. If you want more information about Axios, go to axioschurch.com. There you can get more information, give, and connect. Remember, we love you, and we're in this together.